On this week's episode, King's Landing is burning. Who got dissed in Avengers Endgame? And what happened to your favorite show this TV season? All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the pop culture cosmos. My name is Gerald Glassford from pop culture cosmos and game source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows, but it wouldn't be a pop culture cosmos without my good friend, he is our own Jon Snow of Humanica Media. you got to check out everything that's going on today at HumanicaMedia.com, Humanica Media on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and so much more. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. What's up, man? What's going on, man? Just got done watching a gut-wrenching episode of Game of Thrones, and I'm still trying to recover emotionally. And so am I, and so is a lot of other people. We're going to be talking about that on the back end of the program. It is going to be very spoiler-heavy on the latest episode of the Game of Thrones. We're actually, in the last two episodes of Game of Thrones, we're going to give you updates on our Monday program. So not only this week, but next week as well. So stay tuned for that. Again, it is going to be spoilerific for the next-to-last episode of the Game of Thrones. That's coming up on the back end of the program before that, we do have Jessica Boggs from the TVRatingsGuide.com. She's going to be stopping by to talk about the upfronts that took place last week, what shows made it, what shows didn't, and what shows are coming up to TV screens here in the near future. Also as well, we're going to be talking about what characters that we would have liked to have seen better represented in Avengers Endgame. Were there some that really got shortchanged? Were there some that were MIA altogether? We're going to be talking about that a little bit later on as well. But first, my friend, real quick, we're going to touch on the latest battle at the box office with Detective Pikachu facing off against the third week of Avengers Endgame. I told you, my friend, this week would be the do or die, live or tell type of scenario for Avengers Endgame and whether or not it will or will not pass Avatar for the all-time box office. Well, unfortunately, it kind of underperformed at the box office this weekend, dropping a little bit steeper than a lot of analysts have predicted to just a little over $60 million at the box office and a little over $100 million worldwide, which was almost right around the point of what Detective Pikachu, which had one of the best starts ever for a video game adaptation, pretty much both had the same type of returns at the box office as of now. Avengers Endgame worldwide is around $2.5 billion strong, which, you know, obviously is an incredible number. It's just tremendous number that everybody should be thankful in hitting. But for those that wanted Avengers Endgame to surpass Avatar for the number one slot all time, still about a little under $300 million to go. I don't think it's going to do it, my friend. I still have faith, man. It would have to have some legs. Because if it only did $100 million this weekend and there's still $300 million to go. There are people going. It's their second viewing, third viewing. I tried to go see it again this past weekend. Couldn't get into the movie theater. Every showing was sold out. So I, I feel like it still has some power behind it. And Detective Pikachu is going to do well because it's, it, you know, it's, a, it's a big pop culture property. Not in the vein of Avengers, but it's, you know, it's getting some hype. It's got some star power behind it. And it's something that parents are taking their kids to see. So it's getting some momentum. But I still think that Avengers has 
a lot of life in it because I've never been to a movie and then not been able to get tickets to see it two weeks after it comes out. Like that absolutely astounded me yesterday. But for now, we've got some great times indeed coming up because, like I said, Detective Pikachu is doing very well in theaters. Avengers Endgame, it's still doing pretty good, but we'll have to wait and see if it does eventually pass Avatar for the all-time record. And with John Wick 3 Parabellum and the Memorial Day weekend movies coming up in the not-too-distant future like Godzilla and Aladdin, it's going to be very, very, very interesting to see if Avengers Endgame will actually have enough legs to become the number one movie all-time at the box office. What are your thoughts out there on Detective Pikachu and Avengers Endgame battling it out at the box office? Do you still think that Avengers Endgame can climb up that mountain and become the number one movie all time, surpassing Avatar? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, Humanica Media, and GameSource on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. I want to hear your thoughts, man, on some heroes and some individuals that you think were missing in action, so to speak, or who did not get enough love in Avengers Endgame. I have my top five. I know you have your top five. So we'll just go ahead one-on-one, my friend. Your number five choice as far as missing in action during Avengers Endgame. I want to hear your first one first. Fine. It's called setting you up, man. But all right, all right. So I'm going to give you the lowdown. I'm going to start with my number five first. My number five in my top five MIA for Avengers Endgame. Number five for me is Lady Sif who was a very integral part of the early Thor movies, not exactly the most beloved of Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, but she was a character that I think a lot of people enjoyed and and appreciated. But unfortunately, in Infinity War, she could not film part in that or Thor Ragnarok, I believe. One of those two, which, which she was asked to go ahead and be a part of at the very last minute, her television show, Blindspot, unfortunately unfortunately prevented her from being a part of it because your production time that she was there and unfortunately the last minute call to have her on to do something within the thor realm in ragnarok or infinity war didn't come to fruition so that being said it looks like that marvel has left her in the dust pardon the pun but it looks like at this point in time she's probably not going to be coming back into it again although if she does come back in it let's say an as guardians of the galaxy volume three that would create a nice little triangle between her valkyrie and thor as far as the love triangle is concerned nice nice that's actually that's a good one that's a good one lady sif yeah i would have liked to see more wong so he was he was definitely up there because I think he played a pretty vital part in um infinity war right he saved the day like he saved tony stark i wonder if he actually went to the wedding i wonder right because I believe he was alive. Right. Yeah, because he lived. He did, he survived the snap. Mm, that's interesting. That's interesting. Hmm. Yeah. I know there's, there's some others that you thought were underserved. So you Und- mentioned Wong, and I'll give you some more time to think about who was underserved in the movie. But Underserved, yes, but not missing in action. Well, to me, that's just the same thing. To me, okay. as far as missing in action, underserved, needed more screen time. When you're talking about a three-hour movie and somebody gets under, what, five, ten minutes of dialogue at best, or screen time, maybe even two or three. That, to me, is MIA. So I'm going to say at this point in time, my number four is Nick Fury and Maria Hill, who barely was in the movie at all, should have been part of that climactic battle scene. I think the Ravagers were part of that last battle scene, but not Nick Fury and Maria Hill to the best that I could see. 
please correct me on my Pop Culture Cosmos Facebook page or at popculturecosmos.yahoo.com if I'm wrong, but I don't remember seeing Nick Fury and Maria Hill un- until there was a funeral that took place later in, in the film. So I would say my number four is the Hulk because he did his thing, but on the as far as the last battle went, like he was not very Hulk-like. And maybe that was because of the whole Mark Ruffalo, Dr. Hulk or whatever they call him. But I feel like they didn't do the usual thing where he jumps around and smashes. Like, that's what makes him such a cool character. And that's one of the things I didn't really enjoy in Endgame was that they kind of just don't explain how that happened. And I don't think anyone wanted to see Dr. Banner and Hulk merge together. They wanted one or the other. Well, it is kind of different now that they're together. I don't know if Hulk has the same impact that he did with the old Hulk or even like a lot of people have talked about, which you did as well with Thor Ragnarok, that variation of the Hulk. But you know what? At this point in time, it's now Professor Hulk for all intents and purposes, which it is what it is. And I can understand why you felt he was a little bit underserved in the movie. I just didn't like some of the scenes that he was in, his explanation. I would actually would have liked to have seen the cause for the, the deeper merger between Bruce Banner and the Hulk. That would have been great for me to see instead of something that was spoken about at a local cafe. Number three for me, I am Groot. Groot to me was somebody that a lot of people enjoyed seeing over the course of two Guardians of the Galaxies and also really, really took a lot of pleasure in seeing in the battle at Wakanda in Infinity War. Plus, you know what? The kid, because he's a kid at this time in the movie, plays a mean defender. So you know what? For all that, he barely got any screen time at all, a.k.a. Vin Diesel got any screen time at all in the middle of the battle near the end. So... I Am Groot is, to me, someone that should have been out there a little bit more, and and Groot should have been an entity that played a little bit larger role than what he did in Avengers Endgame. Yeah, you're right. That was kind of unexpected, you know, because he came back, and we have, even in Guardians of the Galaxy, there's been some pretty epic scenes with Groot, so it's just, it was weird that they didn't really play on that at all. It would have been a nicer scene for a happy reunion between him and Rocket. I think there we got only a very brief glimpse of it. I would have yeah. liked to have seen more of, as far as that's concerned. Well, or go back to that whole thing where uh, you know he's him and Groot are the kind of like the the cool gadgets that they used to when they were in the in the first Guardians of the Galaxy. Use those cool gadgets that they had to try to capture people and fight people. Like ha- have more of that stuff in there. It would have fit in very well. Okay, let me know, my friend, any more that you felt were MIA in Avengers Endgame? So my third one here would be Ronan, because we got that scene where he's running from the uh, Tachari things inside the the sewer or whatever. But after, in the last battle, like, he was there for a bit, but he wasn't really, like, they had a chance to show, like, some really cool stuff with him, and they did not really do anything with him. Once he he, started to keep away with the glove, that was pretty much it. Yeah, they didn't really show him fighting anybody or 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 really just doing anything except running with the glove. And I was kind of hoping for more because Ronan, like with the two swords, like he could probably carve through a lot of people. It's just weird to introduce that character and not really introduce him, you know? I couldn't agree with you more. Number two for me is Okoye. Okoye was a very big part of the going around to different press, media outlets, and things of that nature as far as the press tour that took place. She was supposed to be, in my opinion, a bigger part of this. I mean, I heard rumors that she and the Dora Milaje was going to be a bigger part of the actual movie in and of itself. Unfortunately, she didn't get much screen time before the big cataclysmic battle at the end. 
and she didn't get enough screen time during it or after it as well. She is just a dynamic presence on screen. Tanai Guerrera is just truly a tremendous actress, and I enjoy her presence and her charisma, and, and she's always got some funny line to go ahead and say on screen, like she did in Infinity War. I think she w- was a little bit underserved within the confines of the movie, especially early on where she could have played a much bigger role because she was heading Wakanda. And I think they should have shown a little bit more of Wakanda as far as the aftermath of the battle and everything that went on in Infinity War. They only showed her briefly when she was talking or hinting at a possible entrance by Namor coming up in a possible maybe Black Panther 2. We don't know, but the tremors that she was talking about could very well end up being Namor and we'll have to wait and see. But I would have liked to have seen her integrated a little bit more into what was going on with the events of Avengers Endgame. All right, my friend, what you got at your number two? What's the Black Panther sister's name? I always forget it. Shuri. Shuri, yeah. Like, she was one where it was cool. It was very unexpected to see her because, she, I mean, besides her gadgets, she's, she's, like the, she's like a female Tony Stark. But besides her gadgets, she doesn't really have a lot going for her. But then she shows up and you're like, okay, cool. She's got those sick gloves on that she had in Black Panther. And they're like, oh, look, here she is. And then they don't show her again after that. It felt too fan service, but it could have been something cool. I agree with you. Her character has such a high intellect and could have come up with something on the fly that really would have done some damage overall in the battle. And I think that her and Black Panther, I didn't think really got enough during that whole battle as well, because Black Panther just, he was just part of that little keep away. And pretty much that was it. I thought he was more important to what was going on with the Avengers than what he was portrayed in in the whole battle in Avengers Endgame. So I felt that not only Shuri, but also Black Panther himself was kind of underserved and a little bit MIA when it went to what went on that big battle in Avengers Endgame. All right, number one for me is going to be Drax, the Destroyer. Drax, you know, he has that vengeance upon him over there. And it showed him in one scene where he was stabbing the back of an alien. And that was pretty much it. And that was disappointing because at some point in time, you should have heard him like you heard him in Infinity War going after Thanos at some point in time. Even if he, you know, Thanos would have swatted him away like a gnat, it's still, he should have had that moment of redemption to try and provide some vengeance for his family that he lost at the hands. It was at the hands of Ronan, but... Ronan was uh, you know, being led by Thanos. So as he explained in Guardians of the Galaxy, you know what, Thanos was the one that really was behind all of it and that was his main target going forward. So at least even just a few seconds in that last battle where you saw Thanos battling Captain Marvel, Iron Man, Captain America, and Thor, at least give someone that deserves it like Drax the Destroyer 30 seconds of time trying to battle him. That's all we needed. Just him yelling out Thanos and going after Thanos and whatnot. Just even 30 seconds would have been enough for, I think, any fan out there of the Guardians of the Galaxy to truly appreciate full circle as far as Drax trying to go ahead and fulfill his, his destiny that he feels he had to go ahead and complete for the loss of his family. All right, my friend. Your number one, I know this is something that's been going on over the course of not just one, but two films when it comes to this character. Yeah, I know we kind of ranted about this on our spoiler cast, but I'm going to say Bucky Barnes. So they show that scene where Captain America and Black Panther are running, and then 
Winter Soldier is just kind of jogging, but he has in his veins, he has almost the same stuff that Captain America has, right? How else would he fall off that? You saw it in Captain America Civil War that they all have the super speed. Right, right. And then he didn't get to use it in Infinity War when Captain America and Black Panther used it. Yeah, yeah. And then they just show him running around with a gun. They could have had some really, really cool scenes with him and they didn't do it. They don't really let him use his powers. He's basically a human on the battlefield and that's not who that character is it's not who he is portrayed as in the comic book so they're not really true and then they make the big deal about him being the white wolf and then what what does that mean you know what what do they do with that nothing it makes me mad because everyone has these really solid story arcs except for him he's just there he's the russo's love child right because they built him up in winter soldier yeah they created him they made him who he was and then they just kind of tuck him into the back like that crayon that nobody wants to use in the box there's a whole lot of issues with Winter Soldier because, you know, even to the, the point where they don't make him Captain America and that's like how it is in the comic books because he is basically Captain America with metal arms. So it was just it was I don't know. I just I hope that they do something with him. But it's a shame that he's not going to get to shine on the big screen because he's going to Disney Plus. I disagree with you, my friend. I think it's magenta that sits on the side of the box. That's it's sort of like broken in half and just like the it's peeling off the, the right. you know the it's, the cover. it's the colors that have two names that always that never get used. It's like orange yellow, sunshine purple or something, you know? It's just those are the crayons that every kid's like, I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> it doesn't go with anything. But anyways, there was a lot of individuals that we felt should have gotten more love in Avengers Endgame. Do you have any thoughts on who didn't get served best during the course of the events of the Avengers Endgame? We know that not all of the different heroes in the vast Marvel Cinematic Universe could have gotten as much love as they deserved during the events of Avengers Endgame, especially the last climactic battle during the course of the events of the tail end of the movie. We understand that we get that, but these were some of the characters that we felt should have gotten at least a couple more minutes of screen time. That would have probably appeased us. Maybe a couple different lines of dialogue added here and there. But unfortunately, there were some that were out there that didn't get their time to shine in Avengers Endgame as much as we would like. What are your thoughts out there on individuals that you think should have been better served in Avengers Endgame? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, humanity media, and game source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? Looking for an edge the next time you take on your favorite video game? Then check out Vitabrace High Performance Gamer Wristbands. Packed with the power of fruit seed oil, Vitabrace is clinically proven to help improve performance, giving you a better gaming experience. Head to MiracleFruitOil.com and use the promo code MEDIA10 to get $10 off your Vitabrace purchase. Whether you're looking to beat the time on your latest speedrun or are fighting your way to the top on your favorite multiplayer or battle royale, Vitabrace can help you reach your gaming goals. Buy Vitabrace today at MiracleFruitOil.com. That's MiracleFruitOil.com. Vitabrace. Win with it. We are back once again with the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Gerald coming right back at you here. 
Well, the major decisions came up in television for many of the shows that either officially canceled, many of the shows that you love that were possibly on the cut line were given a reprieve or another season. Some of them were actually given as much as three seasons. We'll go into that here in a bit. But there were a lot of decisions that were made this past week, both Thursday and Friday, with the major broadcast stations and networks out there making some firm decisions going forward for the next year and here to talk with me today with her monthly tv update is my good friend she is one of the main writers in the know when it comes to the tv rating scene you got to check out all of her great stuff that's out there at the tvratingsguide.com in fact the tvratingsguide.com brings you a lot of great information on the tv world when it comes to ratings news, original programming, also as well, some great reviews, and so much more. It is my good friend. It is a brand new, spanking new graduate, and we do want to congratulate (laughs) her officially out there. It is Jessica Boggs. What's up, my friend? It feels great to be back. Still feels super weird that I'm a graduate. You are a fellow new graduate like I am. Although you actually earned it, I don't know, maybe there was rumors of me kind of blackmail and bribes going on to get mine, you know, I don't know. You actually earned your degree? People seem to scratch their heads when it comes to me, but you know what? I know you worked very hard for it. I heard constantly on Twitter, your rantings and ravings, ah, and all that. <laughs> so I'm just so happy for you that you graduated and I, I wish you continued and amazing success out there but you're here to talk TV with me, and there's a lot of stuff going on when it came to the TV upfronts last week. Let's go ahead and start off with ABC, and we're going to be touching on mainly the broadcast networks because most of the major decisions, both good and bad, were done by the major networks this past week. Okay, Jessica, what were some of the renewals that were going on at ABC? Some of the renewals, first with the in-house productions, I was a little surprised about single parents and bless this mess and blackish getting some of the renewals. Although blackish was earlier because of the mixish pickup. That was actually a spinoff that's been ordered to series by ABC, correct? Yes. The reason why I was a little surprised because some of these shows, like they're on the low rated ABC Tuesday and Single Parents is like the lowest rated out of the Wednesday lineup. I know there was a certain renewal from ABC in that. What what is it? That same comedy lineup that wasn't beloved by everybody because there was a renewal that you want to talk about. I think that got social media ablaze because a certain individual on one of those shows was really not too happy. (laughs) That would be fresh off the boat because Constance Wu complained Well, that's because she had a project that she had to turn down because of the renewal of the series. So it's basically, now that she's really garnered a higher echelon of fame because of what happened with Crazy Rich Asians and this tremendous success of that movie, she's been now asked to be part of many projects that are out there, some that maybe wouldn't have been afforded to her in years gone by. So she was really, I think, looking forward to this type of project. She didn't say what it was, but... Be that as it may, because of the steady job that she had with Fresh Off the Boat, it was nice that she had that buffer, but she probably wanted to go ahead now that she had the fame from Crazy Rich Asians to go ahead and move on to bigger and better things. But 
Unfortunately, she couldn't move on to bigger, better things as much as she would like because it was picked up for another season. Well, yeah. Like, in addition, like, one of these projects that she was working on was the sequel to Crazy Rich Asians. I still think she'll be able to work on that, but I think anything else, I think that's probably going to be a little bit tough for. I agree. But back to Fresh Off the Boat, it was not much of a surprise. It was low rated at first, and then it became acceptable for a Friday, though. That's true. And then there were other shows that were picked up by the network. What were some of the surprises to you as far as some of the renewals that were picked up? And are there some shows that are still out in limbo out there when it comes to ABC? Well, most of the decisions have been pretty much picked up already. Well, the summer shows have not been picked up yet because they haven't aired yet. Whiskey Cavalier was recently decided to be a cancellation, but we're going to stick with the renewals for now. But I was also pretty surprised with the rumored final season of How to Get Away with Murder, as it was low rated pretty much all year, but apparently it had the international sales making a profit. And this is something I've talked to you about previously with other shows like Elementary that had this huge syndication deal or, like you said, international sales that just really expound upon the show much more than the mediocre or tepid ratings it just gets here in the United States. So it's always something that they look at after airing shows, the plus sevens and all that. They they look at a barometer of exactly how well a show is doing. It's not just such a cut and dry thing. Like in the past, it was just, okay, is it getting a good rating or is it not getting a good rating? It's now something that they're looking at a total broad spectrum of things before they go ahead and make the decisions. Anything that's going on with CBS as far as renewals? Because it seemed like they picked up a lot of the familiar shows that everybody loves out there, including one renewal that for a very controversial show or actually has a very controversial lead actor with the studio leaving it after it got picked up by CBS. Bull was one of the renewals and I was not really surprised, but kind of surprised at the same time. But I kind of expect it to be in somewhat of a scorpion type mess next season because usually CBS shows don't get canceled after season three especially if they have at least 66 episodes and the fact that it will be no longer co-produced by amblin entertainment steven spielberg's company announced that it will be parting ways with the other production company responsible for bull that was announced shortly after its renewal if, if i'm not mistaken and i think that stems from the lead actor in bull unfortunately having troubles that his big mouth basically for all intents and purposes caused a lot of pain and a lot of money that CBS lost in having payout in lawsuits. So his poor decision-making led to somewhat of a financial tricky situation. And it was kind of surprising to me that that show got renewed because of his statements and the subsequent payout that CBS had to give because of it. So I guess, like right now, we'll have to wait and see what it goes on with Bull. Is it going to be like a lame duck season for Bull? But, you know, like you said, that three-season cut line with 66 episodes, that might have superseded everything when it came to Bull. But any other news out there when it comes to renewals? There's a lot of shows that people just go in a routine and watch when it comes to CBS, including a lot of NCIS. That got renewed, too, and... Also on CBS, Tom Selleck said something about Blue Bloods renewal after it got renewed for season 10. And 
he apparently commented that why didn't he get a separate announcement type of thing and it was part of a mass renewal deal yeah everybody's looking for something i'm telling you yes it is a 10th season for tom Selleck. i guess he wanted to go ahead and be immortalized in some fashion because it, the show blue bloods has reached some historic levels and whatnot but you know what when it comes to cbs and they've got so many of the same shows you've seen year in year out that are enjoyed by audiences hey there's a tendency to get lumped into the group there when it comes to all the shows at cbs but were there some surprises when it comes to cbs as far as some of the shows that were picked up or do you see just the same old same old when it comes to cbs and the renewals that they gave somewhat of a same old same old type thing but the series pickups we'll go into that a little bit later fair enough fair enough and when it comes to the series pickups for fox was there anything surprising? Because I know the Orville was a great conversation, especially after another show got dismissed, which we'll talk about a little bit more detail later. But one of the shows that got a higher rating got dismissed, but the Orville still remains in flight going into deep space for a, I'm assuming, another abbreviated season three. Well, yeah, the Orville did get renewed, but Lethal Weapon got canceled. And that is because of controversy with Wayans and Damon that, Wayans. Yeah. And that's part of it. And it was also pretty much on a low rated Tuesday night. And that's also produced by an outside studio such as Warner brothers and Fox was not making any money on it. There's a, usually some details there. And then also when it comes to the controversy between the lead actors over the years and they had to switch out one of the lead actors of the series and all that, yeah, it just became too problematic maybe to keep alive as far as Lethal Weapon for season three. But I also know Star getting canceled as well caused a little bit of ire out there, especially because they thought it was getting decent enough ratings to go ahead and stay alive. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Rob McCallum Films is back with a vengeance. Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion-dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. Now that we're going to go ahead and over to NBC. What renewals were there at NBC of note that you really think people need to know about? Because I know the Chicago shows, you loop them all in a bunch when they're there. So I guess you got to go ahead and either cancel them or you renew them as a group. But there's also a show out there that's very well known and very well beloved by people that not only got a season pickup, but also got a three season pickup instead. That would be This Is Us, which means This Is Us after its third season will... We'll have six seasons total. And I think that'll probably be it for them. I have a feeling that that was made with the intent of its story arc completing after six seasons. And yeah, and there was a lot of talk on it going down to the wire because of the multi-season renewal in its deal with like 20th Century Fox that recently became a Disney production. And there was also talk that it would move to ABC, which that's not the case today. Absolutely. Yeah, they're they're staying on NBC for three more seasons, barring any unforeseen changes. It looks like it's still a great success story for the folks at This Is Us. But again, Chicago shows did get all picked up, if I'm not mistaken, as well. They did. And Law & Order SVU. It was before all the renewals happened. 
what other shows at NBC got picked up that you think people should know about? There was the final season of Blindspot. Blindspot did get renewed for abbreviated fifth season, but it's not going to be on the fall schedule next year. And we all thought Blindspot was going to get canceled. Well, it looks like they want to go ahead and close out the story arc or hit a certain number of episodes. It looks like that NBC wants it to hit. Is there any other shows that got picked up by NBC that you think people need to know about? There was the renewal of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, but that's only getting 13 episodes and that's not on the fall schedule. I know Superstore got renewed early, but that's for a full season, correct? Yep. Okay. I know that there was some question because the fluctuating ratings of Superstore as per Brooklyn Nine-Nine in that same time slot. So it looks like going forward that there's some good things that have ahead for both those series, especially Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which was once dead in the water when it comes to what went on at Fox. Another show that got moved over, and before we go ahead into the CW, and I forgot to mention at Fox, was Last Man Standing. Could you update those with the status of Last Man Standing? Because I think a lot of people who enjoyed it so much on ABC were so disheartened when it got canceled, were delighted to hear the news that got picked up at Fox. It has seen some type of success at Fox. So give it the latest and greatest on what's going on with Last Man Standing. Last Man Standing, it was renewed for an eighth season on Fox. And same thing goes for 911, which saw tremendous success out of the gate, but has not been able to sustain as and hold it as much as a lot of people thought. 911 still was picked up for another season, correct? It was for season three. Last but not least, what I want to cover when it comes to the renewals is your friends at the CW. Oh, yes. They uh, renewed everything. Pretty much everything. I mean, there were still, what, two shows, Supernatural and Arrow. The Arrowverse is going downhill with a bullet. Or should I say, with an arrow. But with the CW, they're just like a blanket. When they just renew something, they renew them all, seemingly. So all the shows get renewed. And not very much in the way of cancellations at all, from what I remember with CW. Well, yeah, it's becoming the new, let's give a final season to the shows that are not being as profitable type network. Though, although that could change, it's been the most unpredictable network all season. And why stop now? Why stop now? But yes, it is the CW with the only shows being affected are, again, Arrow and Supernatural ending out their series. But they get a chance to end out their series no matter what low ratings that they have. And yes, it's kind of weird because the CW does have some of the lowest performers on broadcast television, yet gets a blanket renewal regardless. If I was one of those shows that just recently got canceled, I would be knocking on the door of the CW to try and keep my show alive there. But that's just me. I mean, I know a lot of these shows and producers and production companies try to lean towards Hulu and Netflix and all these other streaming services. If they get cut, you know what? I'd be on the CW right away because they may want to pick you up with whatever ratings you get. But speaking of ratings, there were a lot of cancellations as well that were officially done over the past few days. And we'll start off once again with ABC Which shows got the axe at ABC? Well, the most surprising one that I kind of knew it was coming, but probably would have been done a season later, Speechless. That was canceled after season three, correct? Yep, with 62 episodes. ABC gave it the happy endings, suburgatory type treatment and canceled it. And that was because it got terrible ratings. 
To me, it's not too surprising if that's the case, because if the viewership really drifted down in year three, then you know what? It's time for it to go. I know there were a lot of other shows and cancellations that ABC made. Some of the shows we didn't mention that got picked up, The Rookie and some of the other shows that were there. But what were some of the shows that got canceled at ABC? Whiskey Cavalier was just canceled after some WB wrangling. And For the People got canceled. Though, And there was one other show that got canceled. Splitting Up Together was a cancellation. Any others to note as far as ABC is concerned? Also on ABC, we have The Kids Are Alright was canceled by ABC. The Fix was canceled after a single season. And okay. For the People got canceled by ABC. One thing I did also forget to mention on the renewals, a lot of it was done to get Grey's Anatomy renewed for two more seasons. I heard that. And obviously for that long running show, it, it's a great sign for the fans that follow it. So like we said, it's just still a lot of great things going on at ABC. And that starts off with Grey's Anatomy getting two seasons. I mentioned earlier the rookie getting another season picked up. But yes, there was a lot of cancellations that were made as well towards ABC that a lot of people were not too happy about. And Whiskey Cavalier was one of those. Just very disappointing news for those following that show in its inaugural season. But you know what? You're going to see Laurie Cohen, boom, right back into The Walking Dead. So nice that you can have this other job right there waiting for you to come back to. But you know what? You never know. The Walking Dead producers could be so mad at her, they might just kill her off in three episodes. But you never know. There is a lot to talk about when it comes to cancellations of some of the shows that are out there. CBS didn't renew everything. It did see some cancellations. One of them was a revival that was heavily promoted that people just didn't want to watch. Not surprised on Murphy Brown because Murphy Brown did not get an extra episode pickup and neither did Happy Together. So they were officially canceled. Fam got canceled too. And what is also pretty surprising, I did not see any drama cancellations, but the cancellations were mostly on the comedy side. I don't think that's so surprising for me. I know CBS loves its one-hour time filler shows. They love those dramas. They fill up an hour for them. They seem to love that back-to-back-to-back drama nights whether it's NCIS filled, whether it's filled by FBI or law enforcement type deal. It's just, it it seems like they love those period dramas one after another after another. And almost seemingly, if it's not the Big Bang Theory related, it just seems like any sitcoms that they put out there seemingly get in the way of their schedule. And it's something that they don't really push behind or promote very well. Outside of the Murphy Brown uh, Murphy Brown show that they tried to that they really promoted heavily, which did not connect with audiences. I think also we have a Life in Pieces that another 20th century slash Disney production that got canceled on CBS after four seasons. That's a shame that that met its untimely end. I know a lot of people like that show as well, but you know what? With CBS, I don't think it has a high tolerance for comedies. CBS does not have a high tolerance for its sitcoms. It seems to be like a revolving door for many of its sitcoms in order to get it it just, I guess, uh, some type of variety. But to me, like I said, their focus is heavily on their one-hour dramas. When it comes to Fox, I know there were some cancellations. We talked a little bit earlier about the Lethal Weapon cancellation, but there also were some other cancellations, including, like I briefly alluded to earlier, Star 
which had, I thought, decent enough ratings to make it, but unfortunately Fox felt otherwise. Well, yeah, the reason why it got canceled was because it it did not have the international sales or the expenses, especially with Star, though. I don't know if it got a tax credit, but what I can remember is that it wasn't making enough in international sales to be profitable for a fourth season. And I alluded to this earlier. It's based off of a broad spectrum, uh, not only just what it regards here in the United States, but what it does overseas, what it does day after airing and all that. So there's a lot of things to think about. And obviously that was one of the reasons why Star unfortunately met its untimely end. Were there any other cancellations at Fox that really got noticed by a lot of people out there as far as being given the ax by Fox? I was not surprised by Proven Innocent, but I was somewhat surprised with the cool kids getting canceled and ultimately it had something to do with space. Fox ordered more comedies for next season and ultimately that kicked out the cool kids. And it was doing fine on Friday, even on declining ratings. But ultimately WWE and and the fact that it ordered more comedies for for Fox really caused a cancellation on the cool kids. Ah, the WWE, I tell you. They're going to be quite an enigma when it comes to Fox. I want to see how this works out. I'm excited for it. Not because I'm a pro wrestling fan. I'm going to be honest with you. To me, it's like a car accident that you drive by that you can't help looking at because the ratings for WWE has steadily declined over the years. And in this past 12 to 18-month period, they have achieved some record lows on cable. So it will be interesting to see how much Fox tolerates that if that audience isn't there for it on Friday night. So I don't know. You and I are going to be having some conversations on the WWE down the road coming up this fall and possibly by around the time the end of the year happens. And (laughs) they're going to be interesting indeed. As a pro wrestling fan, I'm rooting for WWE SmackDown to do well on Fox, but I'm not holding my hopes up. But then again, if it gets canceled, it can just go right back on USA or sci-fi. So, you know, it it always has a home somewhere. What were your thoughts on what's going on with NBC and the cancellations of many shows that were there that kind of surprised you? Or maybe actually none were a surprise. I don't think it was a surprise for either one of them with the comedy aspect. I was not really surprised with them because they were all low rated on NBC. What were some of the shows that were canceled on NBC? I Feel Bad, Abby's, AP Bio. There were not that many cancellations that I can think of. I already made that joke on a previous interview between you and I on I Feel Bad, so I won't go there with I Feel Bad. But NBC ordered way too many shows. We'll pick up that here in a second as far as some of the series pickups are concerned. And we talked about the CW not really canceling anything and they're just picking up everything and the two shows that were affected arrow and supernatural are allowed to get closures for their series arcs and whatnot so before we go ahead into any series pickups that pique your interest we're going to talk about quickly what's going on with cable and your thoughts on the cable scene that's out there anything interesting as far as cancellations or pickups or anything going on in the world of cable On TBS, Angie Trebekah was recently canceled on TBS, and part of it has something to do that it got low ratings and it got the burn-off treatment on TBS. That's a shame because I kind of liked that show. I thought it had a little bit of style, and 
and it was kind of different from some of the other shows that were out there. It was a shame to see that show go. But are there any other shows in cable or anything out there that was either picked up or let go that people need to know about? There was not that many because cable was a different timetable schedule than all the broadcast networks. But we do have some shows that are coming up, especially since Game of Thrones is ending. As Game of Thrones is ending, there are other shows that are coming up with Fear the Walking Dead is coming up on AMC. And to me, that's going to be interesting where that one lies. It's been the little brother and the little sister to The Walking Dead for quite some time. And you and I have both noted the dramatic fall in ratings of The Walking Dead over the past five years. And Fear the Walking Dead, which has not even garnered anywhere close to the ratings of The Walking Dead. It'll be interesting to see where this show lies and if it gets another season beyond that. There was also talk about Better Call Saul ending after six seasons, though, but it's not even official. Whereas right now, the show has been renewed for a fifth season, which is planned to premiere in 2020. Once again, I'm with Jessica Box from the TVRatingsGuide.com. You got to check out all the great stuff that she's doing there at the TVRatingsGuide.com. You got to check out all the great articles, all the great news updates the original programming that they have, especially for fans of the tvratingsguide.com. You got to check out her work and all the other great staff that's out there at the tvratingsguide.com. Before we head on out, there were a lot of series pickups for all of the networks because they canceled some shows. There were ones that they need to pick up in its place. Are there any that pique your interest right off the bat? Are there any that you think have hit-making potential or are there some that look like they're already DOA? We're going to start with ABC. And ABC picked up Baker and the Beauty. They picked up, they took Emergence from NBC. And they picked up United We Fall and for life. And they had a record low of four shows that got ordered. And it was because the new regime on ABC and the new ABC president, they did not like any of the pilots from the previous regime. And so they pretty much punted on pilot season. Since they punted on a lot of stuff, that left a lot of room for other networks to pick up some other shows. What were some of the more interesting aspects of shows that were picked up by CBS, NBC, Fox, even the CW? What were some of the interesting pickups that were made? With CBS, we got a Chuck Lorre sitcom coming to series called Bob Hart's Abishola, or Abishola, I can't pronounce the name. And then there's The Unicorn, which is interesting to say the least. Like, what's a show about a unicorn doing on CBS when there's all those cop shows? Yeah, exactly. Uh, That's something different from the norm. So we'll see how that tracks when it comes to people watching that type of show on a CBS platform. Because shows that are off the beaten path for CBS they have a tendency to stick out like a sore thumb and it's not necessarily in a good way for those type of shows because people are looking for a certain type of thing. That's why so many of the same types of shows get picked up and renewed year after year by CBS. So it will be interesting to see how that plays out at CBS. Are there any other series pickups at all that interest you or are there any that you think are going to be just failures right out of the get-go? CW recently picked up Katie King and two other shows. 
the Nancy Drew pickup, and Batwoman. That one is going to be very interesting how that plays out because of the sexual orientation of the main character and the fact that it's intended to create some, I don't want to say controversy, but create some conversation. And I think it'll be very interesting to see how that plays out. I'm excited to see that type of show get onto the air. And I'm, I'm wishing it all the best because of the fact that it is different and it wants to be different right out of the game. I think it's going to do pretty well for the CW. Not so much on the, the linear part as much, but in the streaming aspect of the CW. Whereas I think Nancy Drew is probably not going to do well out of the gate, but it's going to probably have some type of dynasty deal that would probably allow some breathing room on CBS. Whereas Katie King, eh, that's not going to do well. Riverdale's ratings are falling off a cliff and CW's just recently changed affiliates in Chicago for the third time. Oh, that's never a good sign when it comes to a major market such as Chicago. So we'll have to wait and see what goes on with many of these series because I have a feeling we're going to be talking about many of these series not necessarily in a good light come December by the time the end of the year happens. Once those shows debut in September and October, some of them we'll actually be talking about in a positive light. And this happens with all of these television shows. The great majority of them do not see the sunlight after either their initial season or an abbreviated one when it comes to what is enjoyed and what is not so enjoyed by the folks watching those major broadcast networks. All right, my friend, it's been great talking to you as always. It's Jessica Box once again for the TV Ratings Guide. We're just so happy to have her part of our show, part of our listening experience, and part of us here at The Pop Culture. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back to close out the show. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Want to thank Jessica Box again from the TVRatingsGuide.com. you got to check out all the great stuff that they're doing today at the TVRatingsGuide.com. As for us, if you need a listing of where we're at because we're being played all around the world seven days a week on so many different great radio stations, check out our listings today at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, where you'll also get a listing of many of our other great podcasting options as well. My friend, you've got a great thing going on with Humanica Media. So share the goods, my friend. What's going on with your great experience known as Humanica Media? New Topic Ocalypse is out talking about Star Wars, what we changed in the Star Wars narrative. And then this past weekend, we recorded a Borderlands Let's Play type thing. But we're going to be also releasing that in podcast form. So stay tuned for that and make sure you're following us on the social medias. That's right. It's Topic Ocalypse now available on so many different podcast outlets. My friend, I finally got an episode that I really felt that I could get into for the Game of Thrones. You know, I thought it was okay, the Battle of Winterfell, but like many, I think I was a little bit 
underwhelmed by it. I know you were, at least that's the sense I got when we were talking together on the Battle of Winterfell on a previous episode of the PCC Multiverse. But it was the Battle of King's Landing, which to me just looked like a slaughter. Your thoughts on the Game of Thrones Battle of King's Landing, and it looks like somebody's gone mad for the Iron Throne indeed. Daenerys, you sympathize with her, right? You've been sympathizing with her through this whole journey. And then you see that moment, that break. Like, it, it was slowly happening, but then you see it. Like, when, when uh, Tyrion was like, when you hear the bells ring, call off the attack. And Daenerys heard the bell ring. She was had so much rage going through. She did. She did. And it's all thanks to that, the uh, Missandei and the, uh, the dragon dying in the last episode. And I think that she was trying her hardest to avoid that madness that her older brother Rhaegar had. But it just goes to show you it's in her veins or not physically, but like it's just it's something that's inherent in her is madness. And then you're noticing all these other characters like Jon Snow. You have the the Onion Knight, Tyrion going, oh, maybe I made the wrong decision. Even that opening scene where they execute Varys and you hear Varys go, I hope I'm wrong. And that was kind of foreboding in itself. But it was almost hard to watch. You know, you're seeing Daenerys flying around slaughtering all these people like she didn't need to do that it's like she's not in her senses i guess so she's flying around slaughtering innocent people gray worm is out there leading the charge against people who have surrendered and there's a lot going on it just goes to show like how mad the iron throne makes people like what it does to people so you're seeing daenerys become cersei and that was a very interesting dynamic to me when the battle started the Iron Fleet was totally devastated by Daenerys and the dragon. And the dragon also was responsible for taking care of much in the way of the Golden Company in front of King's Landing itself. And there was a point in time, like you said, where it could have been stopped. It could have been halted at just that with very little civilian life lost. And it could have been stopped because the bells were ringing. It was thought it would be agreed upon that when the bells start ringing, that would be a surrender and a ceasefire. And actually, you saw the rest or what little there was left of Golden Company lay their arms down at the hands of Jon Snow's troops right there. But unfortunately, it didn't come to pass because of the rage of Daenerys and her incessant drive and madness towards whatever she wanted to go ahead and accomplish because she then decimated King's Landing time and time again with the fire from the dragon as they breathed down and killed everything in sight virtually. In the middle of it all was Arya Stark and trying to survive. Seeing the survival from her perspective really was very interesting because she was there in the middle of it with the intent of killing Cersei and what, three quarters of the way through, she was stopped and told to turn around, correct? What did you think of that, though? That was kind of a little bit of a puzzle was... because Arya is the cold-blooded killer. Right, but it was kind of, it was a weird thing for her because her whole story has been developing into, you know, making her death, you know, the physical embodiment of death. And that's been but... her thing. She's going to kill Cersei. And then all it took was Clegane to go better not go up there let me handle it because yeah, i'm right. dying and and you know if you want to die you go up with me if you don't you stay and then all of a sudden her character does a, a whole turnaround where she's she's running through the city and she's she's scared like she's never been scared but she's terrified here it almost felt like they were doing it just for dramatic effect i felt the same thing when euron washes up on shore when jamie lannister is trying to to get to cersei like 
what were the odds that he would wash up right there? He manages to wash up in the same shore that Jamie Lannister is at, getting prepared to go ahead and take Cersei to safety. Before that even happens, they have a climactic battle where Jamie eventually kills him. But Jamie has these, what, two, three mortal wounds that would normally kill somebody from a blood loss. But he manages to go up all the way in town, all the way up to the castle, meet up with Cersei, and then they come all the way down before they ultimately meet their ends by eating some rock. Yeah, but I mean, they. You know, they, they kept doing that editing thing with Arya. We don't know if they're dead. They might not be dead. You know, I, I know they have a lot of narratives open, but there's some things they're doing that just feel far too convenient, like something that CW writer would do. And, you know, I totally think that Jon Snow is going to take the throne. The, the last battle is going to be between them and the Unsullied. You know, obviously you saw the Unsullied guarding the steps, so Daenerys is not going to trust the Northmen anymore. I think that there's going to be a battle between Daenerys' forces and whatever's left of everybody else. Because in a way, she is worse than the White Walkers. Like You, you saw how easily she combed through everyone, how she did it without even blinking. So that, that's where I'm seeing this end. Maybe Arya's going to kill her and save the day again. I don't know. Also, what did you think about the horse being there? I feel like Bran had something to do with that. But that's just my theory. I agree with you on that, that in all the chaos, the horse is there to get Arya to safety. I think there is something to that. And I think Bran, who was absent from the entire episode, I think that's a sign that he was maybe able to go ahead and summon the horse to go ahead and pick Arya up to go ahead and put her in a position to be safe because she had been through the entire battle. But you're right. Her turn wasn't exactly the best thing in the world, especially for someone that was so out for blood. I didn't exactly like the turns of some of the other characters as well. But overall, I thought it was a better episode than the Battle of Winterfell for me. I think it does send a message on what's going on for the final episode that you're right. There is a climactic battle coming up between the slowly maddening Daenerys and also the noble Jon Snow. I think Arya is still going to have something to do with it. Oh, for sure, yeah. Yeah, but still at this point in time, it's it's very tough to figure out what is going to go on exactly, but we have our ideas. Overall, I thought it was a better episode than the Battle of Winterfell. I think, I think I'm going to give it a little bit bigger thumbs up than the Battle of Winterfell, but not a whole lot more. But yes, I did enjoy it a little bit more. Have you noticed like they're building up these really epic fight scenes and they're not that epic? You know, instead of showing this big old battle... All of a sudden, you see the dragon just go through and mow everyone down. So there's no fighting at all. It's, it's just happening. It was a slaughter. Yeah, it was a slaughter. But I almost feel like I was cheated out of something because, again, that's something the whole show has been building to is this epic battle between King's Landing and everybody else. And then I feel like we got robbed of that. I agree with you on that for the sense that last week's episode set itself up for a much larger and much tougher conflict than what you actually ended up seeing. What are your thoughts out there on the next to last episode of the Game of Thrones? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, humanity media, and game source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Well, coming up on our Friday program, we're going to be talking John Wick 3 Parabellum. Josh is also going to give you his thoughts on the Assassin's Creed DLC that he just finished in detail. Any last thoughts on the way out? Okay, so let's talk about this. If you're one of those people who's saying you're very serious about people not spoiling Game of Thrones and now you're spoiling Game of Thrones, don't be those people. Even the vaguest of vague things when it comes to Game of Thrones is a spoiler. So be courteous, be kind, 
don't spoil things. Come on, unless you're like doing a spoiler cast like we're doing. Where we give you yeah. in advance that we're going to be telling some spoilers. Exactly. So it's going to be a great week for us. We're going to try and drop, if we can, some extra stuff on our Pop Culture Cosmos podcast channel. You can also check me out on the Big Daddy Road Show on Wednesdays. My thoughts on pop culture and also right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the Pop Culture Cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day.